Welcome to the Rediscovering Church podcast, where we discuss issues relating to the modern church and the need to return to God's design for the church by living and gathering the way Christ and the early church intended. Now, this is not about redefining or reimagining God's church. We're on a journey through the scriptures to rediscover God's church. So thanks so much for joining us on the Rediscovering Church podcast. Hey guys, thanks so much for joining me for the first episode of the Rediscovering Church podcast. And I'm really excited about it today because I'm having a discussion with a good friend of mine, Dave Edwards, who is an author, he's a speaker, and he's also a discipleship pastor at Church Project in the Woodlands, Texas, just outside of Houston. And we get to have a conversation today about how do we get back to God's design for his church. I really hope that you find this helpful and enjoy this. So without further ado, here's our conversation. Hey, Dave, it's good to have you uh, on the good podcast. Uh, yeah, I mean, we I just, I know before we started recording this, we were talking about how we got to know each other and when we first met. And I, I, I kept going back to maybe it was a paint by numbers class and something. I don't know. Right. Maybe yeah, somewhere. I don't know what therapy. We're in therapy. Yeah. Therapy, therapy together. Exactly. I think I may have been in Texas when you were speaking quite a bit. Um, YEC or Conclave or Super Summer. I know you did a lot of those. Um, but I mean, I want, I want those who are listening to get to know you a little bit because I consider you a good friend and we've been able to reconnect and looking forward to, to even more so down the road, obviously. Uh, but why don't, why don't you tell those who are listening kind of a little bit about you? This is Dave Edwards. He's a friend of mine. He made a pastor, speaker, author, paint by numbers, guy, sculptor, whatever he's all, does stuff, all, yeah. all of that stuff. But uh, man, just an overall good guy, and I'm I'm thankful that you guys are getting to hear our conversations. We're going to talk about a few moments about first century ecclesiology. That word I know is a huge word. You're like, what does that even mean? It's basically how do we do church uh, and and talking about the church, the study of the church, the things of the church, and really what it looks like to get back to God's design for the church. Uh, we've right. seems like we've kind of gotten off trajectory there. But before we get into that conversation. Dave, why don't you tell them about your background, about you know how um, how you came to faith in Christ, and then yeah. how you started doing what you're doing now? That would be that would be a good place for us to start. That's that's great. Yeah. So uh, I I grew up uh, here in Oklahoma City, and uh, my parents were divorced when I was five, and so I was raised by my mother, my grandmother, pretty much. I got about right in the like fifth, sixth grade, right in there, and I really started to struggle with school, and no one really knew why, and uh, they just kind of wrote it off that I was a slow learner and they're like, well, that's, they won't ever really be able to function in a real school. And they put me off into this kind of strange uh, school uh, that was run by hippies. <laughs> like everyone there looked like, yeah. Right. So that's depending on the age and demographic of your audience, people will get that reference. And, uh, <laughs> that's good. and so, but they're all, all on tie dye like, t-shirts is that yeah, I'm just get this thought. Jerry Garcia and Jim Croce. They look like those two. Those are the groups, the big mustaches and the little glasses. Oh, that's so good. And the corduroys and the whole thing, you know. And uh, and so uh, they, um, in the middle of all this, I was going to church. I was a church guy. My mom, my grandmother both loved Jesus. And my mom always took me to church. And, and uh, so my battles were kind of, you know, was broken home and then this struggle in school and what I was going through. And, uh, in the midst of that, my church did a spring revival. So I went to, 
Bible-believing, you know, Southern Baptist Church, and they did a spring revival, and uh, they brought a yo-yo guy in. Do you remember this guy or not? He's a guy <laughs> yo-yo tricks and flipped out. I think, out I, remember, I, think and, I remember this. I think he did something to like, uh, I don't know, B.J. Thomas or somebody like yeah. the music in the back. Who knows? Yeah, know, something like yeah, that. something like that. All yeah. of our young listeners have no clue who B.J. Thomas is. Uh, who who knows? Like all these, uh, we've had three references that I'm sure nobody knows. <laughs> who they are so far. Well, you know what? That's the beauty of, of YouTube and Google, right? So <laughs> right. So yeah. Uh, I was so the yo-yo uh, guy. I was the yo-yo guy. He's, uh, you know, he's whatever. He's doing yo-yo tricks and uh, and I guess previous to this, I, I talked to my mom about you know what, when when do I know that you know when am I gonna how do I know I'm a believer and you know and she said well you know God will will speak to you and so I'm in this revival and this <laughs> guy says you know what it means to be a Christian it means there's been a time that Jesus Himself has stepped out of heaven and stepped into your heart. And because of that moment, something different has taken place on the inside of you. And it was like, I heard it. Like up to that point, I'd heard a lot of sermons and a lot of, you know, great, we, I had pastors that were great orators and, you know, but when he said it means that Jesus has stepped out of heaven and stepped into your heart, I knew that all the broken places that were in my life were mm. that Jesus was supposed to come and fill those broken spots in, you know, mm. Wow. And uh, so on the back row that morning, I gave my life to Christ. Wow. And I said, Jesus, I believe you're real. I believe you died on the cross for me. If you can do anything in my life, please take it and change it. So and nice. and in the midst of all this was happening, they, uh, my mom taught school and one of her friends was doing a PhD and they discovered that I had dyslexia, that I wasn't, I wasn't actually dumb <laughs> or a slow learner and yeah. uh, that I had dyslexia. And so yeah. when they discovered that, they, I got out of that uh, Woodstock school and uh, <laughs> I went to a real Christian, a real Christian school. Yeah. And so it was Christian education that gave me a second, my second chance. And so mm. I, I spent seventh and eighth grade playing catch up. Like I didn't, I didn't really know how to read. I, uh, all the letters went backwards. Everything was reversed. I mean, uh, like I, it was hard to get all that together, but through a lot of prayer and through a lot of tutoring and, uh, mostly prayer. And I believe the, the work of the Lord, like my eyes got stronger, my comprehension got better. I, mm. ex I excelled in school, you know, and I guess when I was 16, um, I was in my youth pastor's office and he said, uh, I was going to go to art school because, you know, that's how most people have dyslexia are usually highly creative in another area. Right. And so I, and like drawing and painting and all that kind of stuff because there's no rules, you know. Right. And you did go to yeah. hippie school for a while. So I went to hippie school. Makes sense. <laughs> you know, art, right? I went <laughs> so. to hippie school. That's true. And they love all that art stuff. Exactly. So, yeah. uh, and so um, I was in my youth pastor's office and he said, uh, uh, I know what you want. And like I had, I had this plan. I was going to go to art school. I was going to do this and I'll you know, do photography and all that kind of stuff. I was kind of into all that. And, uh, he said, I know what you want, but he said to me, what does God want? Mm. And so like that question rolled around inside of me for a couple of months, because what I'd done was I had just basically decided what I wanted to do. And my plan was just to ask God to bless it. You know, like, here's what I want to do. God, just make it work. Yeah. And when he said, what does God want? Uh, it, it shifted the trajectory of my life because it was in that season that God put a desire in my heart to be in ministry. Wow. You know, and uh, that's where that came from, that call. I really sensed that I, I was supposed to 
do something ministry wise. And so I started teaching, you know, Wednesday night, middle school and Sunday morning, Sunday school and that kind of stuff. And I, would, I, I knew that I was most alive when I was speaking. I didn't really know how to connect all the dots, but I knew that there was something there, you know. And, uh, and so uh, I went through college. I majored in theology. I went to college on an academic scholarship. So the guy they said would never wow, make that's it. Wow, so cool. You know, uh, and then I, and so I started traveling out of college and with uh, a band and I started speaking on that tour and God was just on it. So all that just began to, I, there was, there was a door I walked through it. There's another door I walked through it. And so, uh, you know, and so, so the big takeaway is that my greatest fears as a dyslexic were reading in public, speaking in public and writing. <laughs> I've been 25 years doing the three things that I was most afraid of. And so I always tell people, you know, that whatever you think is going to limit God, can limit you can never limit God. Yeah, so you good. know, whatever yeah, you think true. is going to work against you, God leverages those things and makes it work for you. So, it, you know, in, in the short version is uh, I, it, now on, on this side of it, I've spoken in 2,500 events and I've written 30 mm. books in my lifetime. And so, uh, and all that came out of, you know, like early on, I didn't think I needed to get out of middle school, you yeah. know, yeah, and told, and told that I, I wouldn't. And so, but what makes all this stuff, like I love preaching. I love preaching the Bible in a creative way. And I love, I still do it. I still travel. But what makes it sweeter is that I remember all the, what led up to it, you know, yeah. the obstacles of not being able to read and being yeah. terrified to read in public. And so now yeah. for me to get read scripture and talk about it is even if people don't understand what I'm saying, it makes them a witness to a miracle when they watch me do it. Cause there was yeah. a time when I couldn't. There's yeah. a time when the words didn't go the right direction and it didn't make any sense. Yeah. And so that's, uh, oh that's the short story, but that what it did is it put me on a trajectory of I've always served the church. I've always, mm. you know, like every, all the Bible studies I've started were always built in conjunction with the church. Mm. Uh, most of the places I've preached in my lifetime have always been in the local church. Yes. So I've been on this trajectory of, I've been through all these different seasons of what church looks like. Yeah, exactly. And that's Which kind of, you know, what brings us here, you know, that, exactly. That's a great kind of just real cool dovetail into what we're talking about because right? you know, you've yeah. been in ministry for how long now? How long have you been in ministry? I mean, you're 82, but uh, you look great. You look right, really I know, good. I'm a whole different yeah. together. And uh, I've been <laughs> probably 25 years I've been doing it. Okay. Been, yeah. So, you know, you know, for, for me, um, you know, I've been in ministry for 34 years. I mean, since I was 19, you know, so, I mean, it's just wow. been crazy. And, um, I never wanted to, I wanted to be a lawyer. That's what I wanted to be. I wow. Wanted, man. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to be a lawyer. God had different plans. Didn't want to argue okay. that case. Right. So, yep. uh, but so that being said, it, there's a lot of things that you've seen. I'm sure I've seen and other pastors have seen regarding church and methods and, and strategies and, you know, the church growth movement and all the, all this different stuff. And we've seen these things. And, you know, the whole point of this podcast is not to trash, churches per se, but it's to look at and say, have we, have we gotten off course somewhere? Because we look at what's taking place today's church. And, and for me, man, I I've experienced my own woundedness. I've, I've wounded, I've, I've done, you know, it, the pride. Uh, I mean, there's, you know, all the things that happen in ministry, how, how you start off with good intentions and you, and, and just yeah. you get caught up in, you get caught up in, in some of the things you're not even aware of at times. 
And right. I think some of the things we look at, like, for example, the church growth strategy or movement, if you will, about reaching so many people, but we look at how many disciples have we really made? And, and that goes back to what is it really a disciple? What's a disciple really look like? Right. That's um, right. So there's so many things we look at church and how church has gone. What are some of the things you've seen over the years? You say, you know what, it, I, this is what's, cons- this is what kind of the good, the bad, the ugly, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and where we are now. Yeah, I mean, I, I, when you know, it's interesting because being on this podcast with you, it makes me think about like all the environments that I've preached in my life. You know, when I yeah. started, church wasn't cool. There was no lights. There was no bands. Yeah, it was still largely choirs, and then you had like the Hosanna Integrity people singing on risers and matching vests. Remember those days? Yeah, and, I and they were singing the trees of the field will clap their hands, right? That one. That's right. <laughs> and EV and you remember, remember, all, remember all that? And, exactly. you know. Another old, old reference that people won't get. Yes. So, you know, yeah. I, like, I don't know why I'm thinking about old, outdated references, but anyway, I don't I know. Don't, nonetheless, but, it's our story. But, but it makes me think about like I've, I've preached in all these changing environments, you know, like I've preached in shotgun churches with aisle down the middle and organ piano. I've preached in like, extremely hip groovy churches, you know, and bars and theaters and churches that were highly produced, you know. And I think the good of it is, is that at the nucleus of that is the gospel. It's interesting that everybody that goes down this creative track, this idea, oh, I'm going to be creative and I'm going to use giant props or I'm going to, you know, build a giant cup of noodles and have, you know, steam come out of it. So it looks like ramen (laughs) on stage or which is an actual thing, you know. Are you serious? Wow. Or, you know, like I, I was at a church where they did a series on grace and they had all the uh, all the greeters dress up as Elvis and they called it Graceland. Right? Wow. Which, right? Right? which yeah. is terrible. Basically, I'll throw up in my mouth. And uh, <laughs> I think I just did. But, yeah. Right. But the thing about it is uh, it's interesting because everybody eventually gravitates back to standing up in front of somebody and cracking open this book. Yeah. And talking about it. Yeah, the word of God. Yeah. I, I mean, that, and it's like I, I watched the growth path of some of, you know, famous pastors, and they were way over on the creative side, but eventually they come back to go, you know, you know what? We're just going to read the Bible. And we're going to, we're going to teach from it. And, and they find a way to do it creatively without props and gimmicks and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So yeah. the good of it, is that at the core of all of it is the gospel. It is the word of God. Like it, it, it doesn't matter how far out someone goes, that if they stay at it long enough, they eventually come back to taking a text and dealing with it and exegeting it in some relevant way. Yeah. Right. So yeah. that's the good. So that's happening in formal environments. It ha- that happens in hip environments. And so I always think, you know, if you think of the church, you know, what whatever so the packaging someone chooses if the core is right, that's where the real power is. <laughs> that's what we're talking about today. The ecclesiology, when that's off, then the whole thing is off. Yeah. Right? yeah. But if at the core is the gospel, the life of Jesus, the, the, the power of his word, <clears throat> then the, the core is basically, well, what culture are we in? What's the neighborhood? Who are the people? Right. Right. So the good of it is, is that at the, at the center of it is the word of God it is the, the message and the life of Jesus. Mm. I think the bad of it is, is like when the ecclesiology, when we start to mess around with the essence of what we're talking about and yeah. like no church that has g- 
given in to cultural demands has ever grown. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, no it's so in a grab to be relevant to the low, we lower the bar and go, Hey, you know what? We're for everybody and we're for everything. And we don't believe You know, we don't have any yeah. conviction. And when we start to mess with the core of the, of the ecclesiology, that's when things go terribly wrong. So it's yeah. like, I, I love what you're doing in the podcast because we're talking about, we're not talking about the package, right? We're not talking about how it's packaged. We're right. talking about core of what, when people start to mess with the ecclesiology, in other words, what, what are we, who are we in Jesus? Who is Jesus? Who is God? Who is yeah. the church? When that starts to be fuzzy and we start to, to get cave into culture, then that's when the church suffers. Yeah. And I, and I think you know? that's so good because I think that, you know, one of the things I don't want this podcast to be specifically this episode is like, Hey, we're calling people to go back and to, to actually put on burlap and, uh, and just to <laughs> kind of right. you know, right. sit in, sit in dirt yeah. and just, and just, you know, go back to scrolls. That's, that's not the, uh, the, I think what you said is so important because one of the things that concerns me in our culture today is, is we hear this term woke being thrown out a lot. Right. And that, yeah. that word may need now even be outdated. Who knows? Um, yeah. There's probably a new word that's, that's coming to, to play, but you know, we've, we've given so many old references. We probably don't even know what the, what the new term is, but that being said, we're going to stick with woke. Okay. So, but, yeah, let's but go with that. You know, when you think with it, you think about how many churches and even over the last two to three years, we've seen this and how it's just accelerating so quickly where, where culture has changed um, to such a degree that that now we, we it seems like this core that you're talking about of getting back getting to you know keeping the gospel the gospel and and making much of Jesus and His Word being the um, more than sufficient that it's the the, the authority uh, yeah. and we go back and we don't let feelings dictate our lives but we go back to what does God's Word say and let our let God's Word be the boundaries or the guards guardrails for our feelings and, and so forth. Right. We go back to what does God's word say? Um, what concerns me is it feel, it, it seems as though that, that there's a lot of abandoning of the scriptures and of what God's word says. And how, you know, how do we feel about this? We're going to talk about more about that, about 12 steps to better your life or whatever it may be yeah. um, and trying to impress culture. But I don't, we can't out culture culture. That's right. right? We can't. And even if we could, why would we? Why, right. why, why would we want to do that, even if we could? Because right. culture doesn't change anything. It's the gospel and what Christ has done for us that does. And so I, I think you're right on is, I, you know, I think God uses different churches in different ways. It's the same thing with the body of Christ, how we're each different. And God uses the body of Christ, each member of the body of Christ to really um, exalt Jesus and to be effective in our witness to the world. My concern is, that the core has been changing and, yeah. and we've, we've, we found ourselves becoming more enamored with the packaging than the contents. Yeah, that's right. And, yeah. and that's, what's concerned me, I think. And, 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 and that's what I mean, talking about, about how do we rediscover God's design for. That's right. Well, I think that I think we've mistaken the package for the contents. Yeah, you know what I mean? Good. We, yeah. I think that's what hey, we've done. Kind of, we, kind of talk about that a little bit more. What, what do you mean by that? I mean, I think I, I get, we, I we, well, like the one, you, know, you said we can't outculture a culture. That's right. And the one thing that no other institution has or can produce is the glory of God. Yeah. Right. There's lots of, yeah. I mean, Branson has lots of theatrical environments and, you know, it's, it's, 
I mean, and there's Vegas has lots of theatrical environments, but the one thing that all these things that culture can't produce is the presence of God. That is the uniqueness of the church, right? It's the, it's, it, it, you know, when David built a new cart to put the ark on, it, it, the new cart wasn't necessary. It, the, the power was in the ark. Right. The power is in the covenant. The power is in the presence, you know? Good and I think we have to, we have to, once again, that needs to be part of the rediscovery is that it's not in the, it's, the contents is not the packaging, right? The contents is the presence. The contents is the presence. And what we do is we say, what can we, what can we do to accentuate the presence? Right yeah. now in my journey, I've just found that it's, it's the stripping away. <coughs> Excuse me. It's not the adding. We keep stripping away to the presence becomes more obvious. So, so what does that look like? I mean, cause we talk about like, I know, you know, we're, we're, we're about to plant a new, a new church, um, which never was on my radar. I mean, just didn't, right. the, you know, God, God's made this clear through a lot of things and that's probably gonna be for a different podcast. Um, but the, the things that have been resonating in me and in my wife, as we've talked about this for a, a while now is something just seemed, I think John Mark Comer said it's this way. He said that oftentimes churches can be about budgets, buildings, butts, and buzz, right? You know, it's yeah. about, and, and, and baptisms and man, you know what? I'm now going to give you credit for this because you've added a fifth B. Yeah, that's You're right. such a preacher. So that's all that, <laughs> so good. More annoying than yes, alliterated. That's right. But I, th- but when I think about that, and baptisms aren't bad. They're great. We want to see people, their lives changed and, and truly yeah. changed for the sake of the gospel and seeing fruits in keeping with repentance and, you know, what we, what we see true salvation being, and then, and then being pu- publicly professed to, to the world um, that we're followers of Jesus. But I, I think I could, I mean, I've, I've been in ministry long enough to see where, man, that has become a lot of the focus. How many of you baptize? You go to these conventions and you go to conferences like, Hey, how many of you guys baptize? How many of you running? How yeah. many of you got coming to your seats? And, or, you know, sure. hey, are, you, are you in a building program? And if so all those things. And, and, and I'm, and, and I don't, I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I'm just saying our focus has become skewed and I'm speaking generally here, but in, in a large way, has has become skewed, and so we think about the modern church and us, and 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 and, and as we've been thinking through this, we just began to think, man, something just just doesn't seem right. I don't know, it just doesn't seem right. I think we're missing yeah. the essence of what we see and what we read about in the Book of Acts. Yeah, um, and I'm not talking about things that were your culturally relevant or some of these creative things you're talking about. I'm talking about the essence or the core, as you mentioned, the biblical principles of who we're called to be as the church. The people right. of God. How do That's we live right. that out and express that in the world in which we live? Um, and I feel as though we've kind of we've moved away from that. And 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 I look at modern church and what what I see in Acts two, and I see that there's this tension. Yeah. Um, and you're involved with Church Project, uh, right. Pastor of Discipleship. Is that the title, right? You're, right. I mean, yeah, Pastor of Discipleship. Yeah. Yeah. And so. Um, being there, and some people may be familiar with church projects, some people may not be, um, but it's it's basically a church of house churches, which is really right. the, the the biblical model that we that we are wanting to follow. Um, and uh, at River Valley Church, which is the church we're planting here in Conway, Arkansas, and um, it, you being there, you what you've been there seven years, is that right? Yeah, Dave. Yeah. So in, in looking at modern church or kind of how we've seen the Western American church 
in particular versus kind of what you've been experiencing over the last seven years, which has probably been when I say it's evolved, you know what, what I mean? It's just kind of over time, yeah. um, learning some things, tweaking some things, making sure that staying biblical. What, what do you see as the difference? And what do you, what would you say, you know, this is what I've learned. This is what has really been refreshing. Mm. Um, what would you, what were some things you, you would share with us in comparison of like the modern American Western church versus, for example, what church project is doing or, or what we see in acts two specifically? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I'd I, I say for me, it's the, it's the, per, the pursuit of simplicity, mm. you know, like we, we, uh, one of our ethics of church project is to reduce and refine. In other words, we keep looking at what we have and saying, what can we do without Right? We keep stripping it away. That's why I said, like, the idea, the church is the place where the presence of God is manifested, where the glory of God resides, right? The, when, you know, we manifest the glory. Those are all kind of Bible words for God becomes obvious. It's a place where God becomes obvious, right? right? That's the right, really the better way to say it, I think. And we just, you know, when I got there, they were, I mean, the church is 11 years old, so it was there before I got there, and they were already in this pursuit of, saying what well, what can what can we do without what 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 are the things that we don't need and that's like on a sunday mornings are very simple like the chairs are not comfortable they're plastic chairs the stage is made out of plywood there's no screens we just use a wall you know uh, i found I mean, that interesting by the way which is so cool it's simple yeah. it's simple yeah. right so that yeah. because this is we're saying let's strip away all the stuff that uh, all the the little the cup holders and the, all the little groovy things that you know, we, we put in auditoriums and let's just make it about making God obvious. Let's just make it about lifting up the presence of Jesus. And it's interesting, you know, like I started 12 citywide Bible studies for young adults in 12 different cities. You know, that was one of the things I did in my career. And I was kind of right on the cusp of church wasn't cool when I was doing that. I started using bands and, you know, and it was relevant and all that kind of stuff but and so uh music was always a big deal it's interesting you know the church project we don't we don't sing music that people know i mean it was an intentional thing like we don't sing a lot of stuff that's popular that you hear on christian radio and the idea was to sing things that were that could be proven by scripture like is it anchored and if it's anchored in scripture we sing it so good yeah Right. It's, it's that kind of thing. Like, do we do we have to do everything that's popular just because it's on the radio? And we just said, why, why don't we just do something that's scripture based, you know, and why don't we just How novel? Right. Yeah. Why don't we just make a room where people come to get together and hear the word of God preached in a powerful and relevant way, engage them in worship that is scripture based. And then we have a time of communion. We have a time of mm. uh, silence and prayer. It's just, and the idea was like, here's what I think ha happened. Every every time a church elevates a gimmick, some part of the presence of God is reduced. So mm -hmm. if you elevate whatever we elevate in a church, mm -hmm. that something has to something has to go. Yeah, so wow, part of the presence of God is, is lost somewhere. Every time we say, "Oh, we're going to be super cool. We're going to make this the coolest auditorium ever," and you know, and having telebeams and smoke machines and all this kind of stuff. Well, something has to lose in that, and it's usually the presence of God, right? That you, we, if you elevate the gimmick, you have to de-elevate the presence of God, and so it's a weird chemistry, wow. yeah. you know. And I, I don't, and that's why I said I think a lot of people mistake the the 
the packaging for the contents. It's, that's not the contents. That's just the exactly. packaging. Yeah. You know, and so at Church Project, you know, our, our ethic was to reduce and define. Let's get it. And when you go back, we of course, we went back to Acts. We went back to, you know, and yeah. looked at what it said about what the church was doing in Acts. And they were meeting from house to house. They were get they were they were practicing baptism. They were being taught. They were taking communion. And we just started to say, what if we just did those things? What if we just did, we just, anything that gets in the way of that, why don't we just push that out and just go back to these essential things, right? And uh, once again, this doesn't mean that the service is boring or that you become no, liturgical yeah. or it's not that at all. And, um, and so, and then the other, the other ethic was to, uh, to practice simplicity for the sake of generosity. So, what we started, what we, what the church was founded on was the idea was that people were more important than property. Mm. So at church project, we give away half of everything we take in in a year, we give away 50% and we put it back into That's ministry so partnerships. Right. So we, we could have spent it on a building or all that kind of stuff, but church project started in a warehouse. It moved to an old Kroger grocery store and it moved from the Kroger grocery store into an old athletic center. Yeah. And so we basically just taken existing buildings and reappropriated them. I mean, you can, you know, you know, a grocery store is basically a big square. And so in the grocery store, the right side of the, of the, of the left, the, the right side of the, audit, uh, of the building was the auditorium. The left side was all kids. And now I'm just, this, this new building that we, during COVID, we moved out of the Kroger and into this old athletic center, gutted it, re formatted it so now the left side where there used to be six basketball courts is the auditorium and yep. the right side all the children's through high school and but the building is basic enough that it's now used throughout the week so we'll be the first church uh the first place in texas to have a fully graded school for kids that have autism k through 12 so good that'll yeah. be used throughout the week we've got different groups and uh we've got two soccer fields that came with the building so there's homeschool networks, there's soccer leagues. And so we said that the, you know, the building is not sacred, but sacred things happen in it. Yeah. So, so good. it's used throughout the week by a lot of different people in the community. So really the way we see it is that we're stewarding the building and we just happen to have church there on the weekend. Right. Where so it's this it, it's maybe I'm maybe I'm no. getting off where we want to be, think- but yeah, I don't think so. You just have to think about if, you know, the, the reduce and refine simplicity for the sake of generosity. Uh, yeah. You have to let that impact how we make choices about what church looks like. Right, exactly. And I, you know, I, I, I don't think you're getting off target or off course on that at all, because, I mean, you think about what, there's a shift in, in, in perspective as it relates to who the church is to be yeah. uh, in the community or the world that we, that we live in. And, and I, and I do think that, you know, it's, it's very easy for us to, uh, as the church to lose, to lose focus on that. And we get so wrapped up in, you said that people are more important than property, right? People are more important than yeah. programs, right? And you yeah. look at, you know, we, we can over-program churches to the point that right. it becomes more about the program than it does about the people. Same thing with property, and we could, we could go down the list. Yeah. So I, I think it's spot on. It's a shift. And I think, you know, kind of to 
probably wrap up this episode of the podcast and I would love to do a part two or part three at some point, David, with sure. this, because there's, we could talk more. I mean, so long yeah. about this, good, yes. but, but in thinking about the, the, how this has shifted, I think about kind of the reputation, so to speak of the American church right now, as it relates to those who are not believers or those who now you see that, what is it? Barney came out and said less than 6% have a biblical an evangelical biblical and by that i mean like that the god's word is god's word it is authoritative inspired and errant what six percent i think that people have that type of worldview um and then you take you take uh millennials and you take gen z and it becomes even less than that um and 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 i think some people are saying you know what i've seen all the gimmicks i've I've done all the easter stuff i've seen all this stuff i've I've seen the ramen noodle church and i've you know i've watched yo-yo guy and i've watched uh you know all, all these different things and, and not that God can't use those, but I think at, as a whole on, on, on the majority, is that really producing life change in the lives of people to the degree, and not to say again, that God can't use those types of things, but when that becomes the focus, like you said, right. when the gimmicks increase, the glory of God decreases and we, and it goes back to not, we can't out culture culture, but yet people are saying, look, i I don't, if that's church, I don't, I don't want it. And it continues to go, it's continued to increase in that regard. And I think COVID exacerbated that, accelerated that of like, I don't need church. I I don't, I don't really need church. And so when you look at the new Testament model, what we see in acts um, and gathering in homes together, house churches, or, and then meeting together in larger gatherings to encourage one another. um, There's something organic about that that goes back to the scriptures that people say, man, this is so refreshing. And and all we say is, well, you know what? It's, it's biblical. <laughs> and so, I mean, it's, yeah, right. we, you know, right, novel I mean, of God, right? So like, what if we just read the Bible and just did that? I mean, like what you said at the top of the, of the podcast is that there seems to be this tension between the church that we see and the, in acts and the church that we see today that yeah. it yeah. doesn't matter. There's a lot of power in the early church. Yeah. A lot of demonstration. It says everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. There was a sense that they were caught up in something that was greater than themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So good. I, I just feel like you go back to acts and you see God's blueprint, right? And you think about this. I I don't know if I was talking with you about this the other day. I was talking to somebody, but when, when you look at, you know, when you're, when you're building a house or whatever, you've got a set of blueprints, the builder goes by the blueprints and, and if you've got a good builder, right, it's going to look like the blueprint. Once it's done, unless you made a few modifications, it's going to look like what the blueprint looks like. Yeah. If you've got a builder that builds something and doesn't look anything like the blueprint, you've, you know, it, you're, you're really messed up and you, you know, there's, it's not going to be a good day. And <laughs> so right. what, what I feel like, I, I say feel a lot, but what I've seen, what I've noticed, observed, I'll put it this way, is that it seems as though that as we've gone further along, the church has become, has looked less and less in many cases, like the blueprint that we find in Acts. And whenever you make a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy, it, it can, it, it can look less like the original. That's and, right. And that's what I, it's almost like, I feel like some churches say, well, we've got a church with a steeple. And then some churches, well, that's a great idea, but we're going to be a church with two steeples. And then, and then, and then some other churches, that's a great idea. We're going to have three steeples and then we're going to have this really cool stage or build or whatever. Right. Right. And, and I don't want to, again, I want to make really clear here that I'm not saying we can't learn from other churches. Um, but what I, I, I will say is that, that 
it seems as though we have been getting further and further away from what the scriptural view or design of the church looks like God's church and become more of a copy or imitation of other churches that we would say, man, they've been successful in what they've done. They've grown this and we want to, we want to, we want to do this. Uh, uh, cause there's certain churches back in the day, I'd go to their conferences like, man, we've got a, they're killing it in this. We need yeah. to go and, and implement this. That's, yeah, and, that's right. And it wasn't going to fit in our context. Number one, number two, I don't know that was necessarily specifically biblical. It was just a good idea and it was working at least, right. at least I pragmatically. Mean, so, yeah. And I think, I think, you know, COVID was the, the real proof of this is that churches it revealed that a lot of churches had built an audience, but not an army. Mm. You know, they built people that, oh, we love this. This is fantastic. It's so cool to watch. And the band's amazing. And But then when, when it, when something, when the pandemic hit and the problems hit, people stopped coming, right? Mm. Because they had built an audience and not an army. Wow. And it's, yeah. a, it's, it really is the perspective shift and how we think about it. And once again, you know, even like at Church Project, we, we partner we partnered with people that were doing ministry really, really well, mm-hmm. where like there are a lot of environments I preached in, they, if they wanted a men's ministry, they basically invented one, you know, if they wanted uh, a, a ministry to prisoners, they would like bring someone to staff they have a budget and all this stuff. What we did is we said, who are the people in Texas that are, are who are killing it in terms of reaching people that are being paroled and, right. and, rescuing women out of sex trafficking and uh, or, orphan care and adoption. Who, who are the And then we went and partnered with those people and said, yeah. let us help you. Tell us how we can help you. And they became, so we developed ministry partnerships instead of having 200 people on staff, you know, we just partnered with people that were doing it and brought them under our umbrella. Right? And once again, that's that simplicity model that we don't mm-hmm. have to have, we don't have to start everything from the ground up in a church. We can just find people to partner with that are already doing it and help make them better. And so now what we've got, what we'll have in another six months or so is that we have, well, we will have part of our big, our building will be office space for people to come in workspace for people to come in the partner ministry partnerships can have meetings there and places where they can right. strategize instead of having to do it in their living room or their car or someplace like that. Now there's a, there's a kind of a, a co-working space for all those ministry partnerships. Yeah. And it, it really just comes out of just asking these questions about how can we be simple so that the presence of God can be made more obvious, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so, and then of course, you know, you mentioned earlier, this church project is a church of house churches. And when you go back to acts, of course, it says they met from house to house. That's where that came from is that you right. had, you had these, various groups, these Christian gatherings of Christians that were meeting in people's homes. Uh, I mean, when Paul writes to the Colossians, he's writing to a house church of 50 people. It's a house church in the city of Colossia. They didn't have a groovy name, right? They just, it was just to the Christians at Colossia, to the Christians at Rome, you know? And, and so we've got 50 house churches. So this is the other, like when we talk about ecclesiology, we talked about the decentralization of the church. In other words, it doesn't always have to be into some fancy building that the church can take place in these house churches. And so, and then the declergification of the laity of the, you 
you know, right. a, a clergy where not every, not everyone has to be on staff and have official degrees. So all these house churches have a house church pastor. Right. Right. And that's yeah. the way that we've been able to have a, be a, a large church, but maintain the connectivity because we have people in place that are caring for 15 or 20 people in each right. of those houses. And that's where the real ministry happens. That's where they, they marry and bury, they baptize, they care for each other. And it's so it's a, a little beyond when I say house church, you go, oh, you mean small group? No, because a small group, you have a leader and a house church, you have a house church pastor. pastor and there's, exactly. there's a difference yeah. in how we think about it. A leader, so that's an audience. You might come, you might not. House church pastor, those are your people that you identify with. Yeah. And then all those house churches, are, of course, show up on Sunday and worship together. And then we do a thing called First Wednesday. Love it. Where, yeah. every, you know, we'll have hundreds of people show up and worship together. And so really, for me, the reward of Sunday morning has, is, is when someone is meeting in their house on Wednesday night and discussing the sermon, praying together and doing life together, then when they come to church on Sunday morning, it really is more about a celebration because you've got people that have been in the trenches with each other all week long. Yeah. And then they come together and go, man, we've been serving. And now, now we're here to be fed, to be worshiped, to, to worship the Lord. And to be in his presence. So it's, it changes how you experience a Sunday morning when you do yeah. it like that. So that's so good. It's so refreshing. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, I, and when we came down and, and got to to kind of witness that we we want to be there for a Sunday gathering. We'd love to just to kind of be part of that and and uh, want, we're we're gonna plan on doing that. But but all the things that you that you've talked about um regarding what church project does, going back to what acts looks like, um is I think what people are hungry for. I really do. I, I mean, I think people are longing for that. Um, and, and that's what I know what's what we're designed to be is River Valley Church. I know, I, and I really believe too, that God's doing something in the hearts of people um, in our nation specifically. Of course, there's other countries been doing this and they've carried this model up for a long time. Yeah, right. You know, um, and so, and partly because of the fact that they've had to persecution, other, other things. And, uh, I think it was one of the quotes that said that that a church of house churches, when you look at scripture, is what not just survives in the midst of persecution, but it thrives in the midst yeah, of persecution. Right. Yeah, and we've again we've seen that in, in these different closed countries, and you know we're we can't we we can't be like an ostrich with our head in the sand and, and think you know well things are great here in the United States, and man the church is really is you know championed by so many people and the government and everything else. The reality is is that man, there's a lot of hostility when it comes to the things of God and, and to the things specifically of Jesus and not the woke Jesus of culture, but J the right. Jesus of scriptures, right? Yeah, that's so, right. So when we hold to that, we hold to the truth of who Jesus is according to the word of God. Um, it, there's, there's some, there's some hostility, there's hostility there. And we need to know how, kind of like what first Peter was doing when he was writing and he said to the believers, here's how we live in the midst, you know, between two worlds, the world we're living that's in, right. the world that's to come. Here's how we live in the midst of this. And, and so when we, we hold to that, I think that's how we help people know how to navigate this world we live in and be the church God's called us to be. Um, and I just think this, I don't want to say model, but the biblical pattern, probably better, maybe yeah, the, the biblical pattern, pattern yeah. um, right. and design that God has that we see in Acts is just such a such a beautiful thing. And we're not saying the church projects is like, you know what, they're the perfect church or River Valley or right. any, any other church that does this. But what we will say is, 
And we believe this is God's design, and we, we're not going to do it perfectly, but we're sure going to do whatever we can by the power of the Spirit of God to reflect who the body of Christ is to be to the world. I think so, and I'm, I'm, that's why I'm excited about the church that you're starting, you know, because it's a call to simplicity. It's a call to say, hey, we're not trying to, we're not in competition with anybody. We're no. not trying to no. say that we got it right. We're just saying no. what would happen if, if we just got as close to the book of Acts as we could, like in, in discipleship, which is another podcast, like, yeah, you know, yeah. it, it pushed me to have to rethink, do we really need to be doing curriculum and book studies? I mean, I mean, you can tell I love books, right? Yeah, I mean, you, I'm for, I'm for books. books there, right? That's uh, not a fake screen, right? No, that's a real, that's actually, <laughs> that's so and, good. Uh, uh, but it, it pushed me to rethink how we disciple people because, well, can you can know, I show them this, Dave? What, can I show them what yeah. you did? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Man, yeah. so this Hold is this is 12 weeks worth of discipleship stuff that you did. That's 12 weeks. This is Hold the curriculum. The <laughs> yeah, this is the so curriculum we, right here. Yeah. That's there it. it is. If you're watching online. Yeah. That, that's it. That, that's, that's three it. months of curriculum. And right dude, there. this is, I've talked, I've looked this over and I like to write. I mean, you know, we've talked about this. We've even talked about yeah. writing together somehow. Yeah, that's uh, right. But, but the, man, I've looked that over and I thought, this is so good. It's so simple. And again, it goes back to, the whole thing of reducing and refining, right? Yeah. But the but the core of it is it's just biblical. You're, you're taking the scriptures and you're learning, which is as a disciple, that's what we need. To be right. Doing. You're just learning how to look at scripture and pull your answers up out of the scripture. That's yeah. really what we do for. Just want to give you some props there. What God showed man, you. I appreciate it, man. Because like, but that's a whole other. That was a journey that that I that I wouldn't have ever taken had I not been at Church Project and been on staff and had to rethink. You know, like I started with the assumptions that everyone else, well, let's just have curriculum. Let's have all these things. Let's have classes. And I was like, wait a minute, wait, what? You know, maybe that's not necessary. I mean, Paul Christianized Rome in four centuries without any curriculum. I mean, think about it. He, you know, he wasn't outside the Colosseum going, hey, make sure and buy my book. It's tentatively called Romans. <laughs> and download the app. <laughs> right? I mean, how do they do it? I mean, they did yeah. it through the that's power so of conversation, you know? Yeah. And so and that's. So that's so it, like uh, yeah, once again, I, I want everyone to know, like there, there's no judgment because I, I, sure, I had to absolutely. go. I've been, I've been caught up in this shift as well. I've been caught up in this having to read just challenge the where I set the boundary markers in my life when I think about what church is, you know, and, sure, and it, sure. And, now, you know, we there's a lot of people that are trying to rethink church and I think are maybe pushing it too far because they start to mess with the ecclesiology and the idea that some people would say that you and I meeting here would constitute as a church. Yes. Yeah. Right. Well, and, not really. It's a, it's a podcast. It's yeah. a podcast. That's what it is. Yeah. You know, we're though, not going to do an invitation at the end. So right, with people, but so there are people that are pushing out the boundaries of trying to rethink it. And so it, in, whenever there's a shift like that, you always have to go all the way to this side and all the way back here to find the, the place in the middle, you know? Right. Right. And, so that, I mean, that's what I would hope that people that are listening to you, that are, you know, you, they should come and check out your church when you start to launch it and get house churches underway. And you should just be in that, that atmosphere of simplicity and to experience the kind of power that comes with it, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, so, so as we wrap this up, Dave, this has been really good. And again, we're going to, yeah. we're going to do some more episodes. We're going to have to, yeah, let's do um, it. so I'll get with your agent and all the good stuff. Yeah. Um, that's, <laughs> but I think I yeah, will do that. So, uh, but what, 
in wrapping this up, what would you say, I mean, to kind of in summation of what we've talked about, what would you say to people? I mean, because again, we're not dissing churches. We say, look, being a Bible-believing church, a church that exalts Jesus, um, you know, just be careful. You're not part of churches. Just exalt the, do the gimmicks because the reality is if you, you, whatever you get people there with, you have to keep doing and do better and bigger. So, yeah. you know, and it doesn't get better and bigger than Jesus. Right. I mean, so, and, and right. what he's done for us and what he says to us in his word, but what would you say to people who are like, you know what, I've kind of given up on church. I've, um, I'm, I'm just tired of all of this stuff. What would you say to them? Um, and those who are in ministry, those who are pastors that may be listening to this, that may be feeling like, man, I think they're talking about my church, um, uh, which please know again, that's not our heart. That's not as we, we're just like something, something needs to shift and change. It seems in the ecclesiology that we see happening in modern culture or modern day here, specifically in the, in the Western world. What would you say? What would be the thing you would close out with? It would be an encouragement, maybe even a challenge um, as well. Uh, I would say, you know, we're not talking about you having to blow up your church and, like redo it. Like we've worked with a lot of churches that we were a lot of multi-site churches that uh, had a lot of people, but didn't really have an infrastructure when they put house church in place, it totally transformed. Hmm. I mean, they had multi, of course they had multi-sites and multi-technology and multi-camera, but it was the house church that really was the glue that pulled it together, you know? And so I, I would challenge every pastor to think about, you know, what does it look like to, simplify what does it look like to say what what can we what what can we do without and then i would say to every person that's watching that maybe you got burned by church or you got burned out on church that when you go back to acts and you read you know peter's sermon you go back to acts 2 i would say there you know the the preacher in me wants to say there's four things <laughs> that made the early church fantastic and that makes the church today Fantastic. Number one is that they were convinced of the uniqueness of the Messiah. Right? They knew that Jesus was the Son of God, that He was sent from God to this earth to die on a cross and to be resurrected and ascended. They were convinced that Jesus was the Messiah, that He wasn't just a teacher, that He wasn't just a preacher or a poet, but He was indeed the unique Messiah. And this mm-hmm. is what anybody watching, that's what we base our life on, right? If we're when you understand that Jesus is the Messiah, when life crashes into you, when COVID crashes into you, your life won't shatter into a thousand pieces. That's the foundation of the thing. And that's what the church always proclaimed, that Jesus is the Messiah. So they were convinced the uniqueness of the Messiah. Number two, they were compelled by universal mission. They were, the early church was going after the world, right? Even when, when Paul, he goes to the council of Jerusalem, he says, listen, you guys go to the Jews. I'll take the rest of the world. And he takes off and builds all these churches and writes all these books. And but they believed that if they didn't get it done in their lifetime, it wasn't going to get done. They were that they had this yeah, idea that, that the, the, the the when the minor prophet said, "There's a day coming where the presence of God will cover the earth like the waters cover the globe." That was the idea. That was what drove was that there'd be a sweep of the salvation of the presence of God around the earth and that people would come to knowing that was the, yeah. that's what compelled them to do what they did. It wasn't, it wasn't buildings and budgets and all that other stuff. It was, they were after the, the, to the attention and they were after to, to bring the world into redemption, right. Mm. To, to restore the sonship that was lost at the fall. Right. Mm. So 
So they were convinced that Jesus was the Messiah. They were compelled by a universal mission. They carried with them an upsetting message. They said, listen, anybody can come to know the Lord, but they have to come through Jesus. Yeah, that's so good. Right. I mean, this is, I mean, people, this triggers a lot of people because they think, oh, you know, that seems unfair. There's only one way that's so narrow-minded. I'm quite frankly and thankful. If you think about the circumference of the globe, and that God puts a single door that anyone can see anywhere in the world, which is Jesus, and anybody can get to that door. That's to me, that's much less complicated than having 300,000 gods that you have to choose from and rifle through and figure out which one might get you into eternity. Mm. And so the early church said anybody can know Christ, anybody from any walk of life, anywhere, regardless of their ethnicity, their economic background, that they can know Christ, but they can know God, but they have to come through Jesus. Mm. They carried an upsetting message. So when Peter stands up to preach, he says, it's this Jesus that you crucified, who is the yeah. son of God, who is the only one who can offer yeah. salvation. But they carried an upsetting message. And then yeah. finally, number four, they changed the world with unusual methods. Like no one would, this is what, what made the church so compelling in Acts and other places during that time was that you had people that seemingly had no relation to each other. You had, you had centurions and you had blacksmiths and you had, you know, farmers and you had people that lived in the city and out that were all meeting in someone's house and assembling together to worship, to be taught and to hear about Jesus. And and, uh, prior to this, everything was, there was clicks. All the blacksmiths hung together and all all the Mm -hmm. farmers hung together. Mm -hmm. Everyone had a little click and a little thing that they identified with affinities or ethnicity and the church blew down all of the walls of prejudice and all of the walls of division. And they said, whosoever will may come, they come through Jesus. And then you had all these people that were even a church project on any single row. You have people that are poor, people that are unbelievably rich that that are sitting together in house church and sitting on a row. And it's sunny. Some people that are trying to wonder where their next meal is going to come from. And, you know, someone else that is, is just so far beyond economically, and yet they're meeting together and they're supporting each other. So good. And so the church then changed the world by teaching about Jesus, by baptizing people and, and into the power of the gospel, by practicing communion, by uh, by teaching scripture and creeds, and by the office of having pastors that could pastor people. So good. There were, and so the point is, they, they did it all without great theater seating. Yeah. That's the point. None, yeah. none of these churches had great theater seating cup holders. Yeah. They they just they had Jesus and they had these things that when you go back to what they did in the Acts are the things that we still do. We still baptize people, we still practice communion, we still teach the word of God, we still teach creeds, we still practice worship. And uh, so the the beauty of the church is in the simplicity. And yeah, if you so got good. hurt, I would say that's not Jesus. You, you, that's the, that's a system. Maybe you got hurt by a system. Maybe you got hurt by someone's idea of what they thought they were trying to do. I don't know, but yeah. the beauty of the church is that they, the church has always competed for the redemption of the world and has always believed that regardless of anybody's, what they look like or what they identify as that every person can experience the presence of Jesus. Yeah, I think that's so good because I think what you've touched on is is that what we see in the book of Acts and what you've just described there um, is that it was the antithesis of a system. 
Yes, um, that's right. And and so you're, I think you're exactly right. And we've gotten caught up in, you know, I, I don't want to get off on this again. This is probably another podcast, but you know, there was a popular podcast out right now called "The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill," and I've heard and, and it broke my heart. I cried when I listened to some of the episodes of this for a lot of reasons. Won't get into it right now, but you know, a lot of people were hurt by that. They were hurt by a system that people got caught up in, and it became a platform. It became you know, kind of the sacred priest, sacred place type thing. We, yeah, about the fourth century, you know, we talked about that. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas when you look at Acts and you look at churches that are seeking to get back to that design, it's distributed leadership. You know, you've got, you've got, lead, it's not just one man, it's not just one person. Yes. Um, you've got diverse community, which is what you were talking about. Um, yeah. Which is right. scripture. Um, and, and so I think that but then there's this common oversight, right? And so it's not like it's like wheels off. Everybody does their own thing type thing. Um, and so, and I think it's so refreshing and this is a conversation I think we need to continue and talk about. Um, yeah, absolutely. But, um, yeah. But Dave, it's been great having you. Let me, let me ask this question as we wrap up where, if people want to get in touch with you, because you, you still travel and speak. Um, right. and, and I can tell you, Dave does a phenomenal job. He's it's not performance. He is letting Christ be exalted in and through him as he preaches the truth of God's word. Talk about, you know, I, I believe in Dave's heart, his, his, his echoes very much what John the Baptist said that, that Christ must increase and Dave must decrease. And so, uh, I just appreciate your heart, brother. I would, where can people get in touch with you if they want to say, Hey, come and we'd love for you to come and preach, come and speak. Yeah, that, that'd be great. I, I do it every week. I'm someplace in the country speaking and, uh, the best way to find me is DaveEdwardSpeaks.com. That's all you okay. need. Just DaveEdwardSpeaks.com. I'll put and that in the show notes as well. So people can have that. They can link to that. Um, uh, yeah. There's clips from my sermons. There all my resources, all my books and all that kind of stuff are all in there. So it's DaveEdwardSpeaks.com. That's all you need. Very cool. And he's got his Woodstock school, uh, paraphernalia and apparel <laughs> yes, and all that kind of stuff. Yes, right. And it's just, I my little Jim Croce glasses. <laughs> Please do. Man, it's been good talking to you, Dave. I love your brother Great, and uh, look forward to Fantastic. talking to you. Yeah. Hey, I look forward, forward to, to it, man. I'm excited about your church. Yeah. We're going we're, to uh, get involved. Everyone who's listening should just get man, a hold of you and get that. involved in that. Yeah. They can actually go to uh, rivervalleyconway.com. That's our website. Okay. Rivervalleyconway.com. And, um, uh, yeah, and so we're we're at the very beginning stages of this. Uh, p- please pray for us. We're really asking yep. that Christ be exalted and that people would come to Jesus as we make much of Him. So, uh, yeah, man. All right, Dave. We'll great. talk to you soon, bro. Hope you have a great okay. uh, rest of the day. Uh, all right, man. I look forward to it. All right, buddy. Blessings take care. On you, man. As we mentioned on this podcast, we are uh, planting a church here in Conway, Arkansas called River Valley Church. It is a church of house churches. And if you would like more information about how you can see what's going on and what God is doing and as he's leading us um, and as we're seeking to follow him in obedience in this step of faith, you can go to River Valley conway.com that's river valley conway c-o-n-w-a-y.com or you can follow us on instagram at river valley church conway that's river valley church conway you can follow us on instagram we encourage you to do that uh share this with your friends with other with other people as well uh, that might uh, be interested in this but more than anything else we would just ask that you would pray for us as we seek to make disciples who make disciples and really get back to what we believe is God's design for His church. So thanks so much for praying for us. Also, too, uh, the Rediscovering Church podcast that you've been listening to, we're going to ask, since this is new, we're going to ask if you would, uh, go and follow us on your favorite podcast platforms, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Cast, whatever it may be, and also uh, share this with your friends as well. 
Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to you joining me again next time on the Rediscovering Church podcast.